Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome to another edition of the uh, Pod Control podcast. Um, we are warming up a little bit here in the uh, in the Northeast, but it looks like we're going to get some more bad weather in. Uh, how's it down uh, a little bit further south there, Brian? We are uh, we're, we're pretty warm. The pollen's out. Uh, we're going to get about a week of rain, and uh, I think we're we're now into that sort of official season where like every week, every day could be different. Like I think they're getting like a foot of snow over in the UK and stuff. So. Yeah, it's definitely uh, weird. What do they call it? I think they, they have a term for it, like up in New, New Hampshire or New, New England. It's like muddy boot season or something like that, um, where it's just you never know what to do. Just put your boots on. Be yeah, I've been, I've been looking at this up in Dublin, and you know, they're saying storms they haven't had in 30 or 40 years. They're getting all sorts of crazy snow and tons of flights canceled. It's, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, so glad glad not to be flying into that. So, hey, I thought we would um, – we uh we got we've been getting you know lots of good feedback from stuff and I thought we would uh, the one show that we did about our back where we basically took one of the sessions from uh, KubeCon and we said hey let's just dig into it we got a lot of really good feedback from people on that um, and so I thought well, okay let's let's grab another session that seems to be pretty broadly applicable and and see if we can just kind of dissect it and and uh, you know find some things in there that people want might want to dig into some more yeah yeah I think that's uh, yeah there was there was really good feedback there and I and I think that's Sometimes you, you know, we always say you go to these conferences and if you miss the session, you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm gonna, they're all on YouTube. I'm going to watch them. And then, and then you don't. Uh, <laughs> but we have been trying to make, you know, make it through more of them and seeing some pretty good stuff. Yeah. So the one I picked out for this week is uh, it was done by Joe Beta, who for anybody who doesn't know Joe or hasn't been around the Kubernetes community was one of the original probably three or four people at Google who uh, you know, helped open source Kubernetes. So Joe has been around this stuff from, you know, he was, I think, working either directly or indirectly with the Borg team when he was at Google and, and you know, helped get it out the door, helped kind of bring it up and now is, uh, is CTO and co-founder over at Heptio. So he gave a really good talk. And the talk at a high level was, you know, how do we make Kubernetes more usable? And we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but there was a section of it that I thought was really interesting. And, and Joe kind of made this, this two by two matrix where he said, you know, the more you talk to people, the more you talk to different people that are interested in Kubernetes, you realize there is no one Kubernetes user. There's no one Kubernetes role. There's no one kind of Kubernetes responsibility. And he tried to sort of break it down in a reasonably simple way to say, like, we need to be aware that there's lots of, you know, sort of customers of the platform, users of the platform, supporters of the platform and so forth. So I thought that would be a, a good topic to dig into today. Yeah, yeah, and I thought what was really good about it was he he talked about it more as like roles than people, right? Um, and I think that's what makes it really applicable. And it reminds me of there's a uh, there's a book called uh, the E Myth, uh, kind of like uh, why most small businesses fail. And one of the one of the the, the kind of ideas he starts with in the book is like figure out what your company is going to look like when it's big and like what all the different jobs are and, and the roles and all that stuff and and sort of build out that that whole uh, org structure. And then, yeah, it's just you and one other person starting. You just circle which ones you're doing and then, oh, you're hiring a new employee. Like, well, which jobs are they taking over? You know, kind of one of those ideas of if everyone's in charge, no one's in, char you know, in charge of something. So I think this is kind of, you know, to me makes that, that 
kind of correlation here when it comes to thinking about from a who does this role and in your environment based on the skill sets and and kind of the needs you know different someone may do you know if, if you're running it on you know minicube guess what you're all for those people you know you're doing all those roles or you know if you're doing it in a, a large-scale environment you may have you know tons of people doing each of the roles right right yeah and what i liked about it was um and we'll, we'll kind of get into trying to sort of uh mentally diagramming this for people that are listening but um you know he he didn't start from the perspective of, you know, everybody should be a full stack engineer. We'll just give you a different title and you'll do different things. It was, you know, it was very much a, a way of saying, look, there are, uh, there's going to be different environments you run it in. So, you know, if you're operating the whole thing yourself, maybe all these roles are applicable. If you're using a public cloud service, maybe, you know, two or three of the roles are applicable. Um, you know, and he also said that, you know, at any given time, you may have to, you know, double down on, on some quadrant or, or a different quadrant. So I, I thought it was, it was good that he didn't sort of start off with the, the classic uh, Silicon Valley unicorn, you know, ethos of, you know, just hire some 10x full stack engineers and you'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it was a pretty um, sober look at kind of the challenges. And, and like he started at the beginning, you know, it's it's about, you know, realizing, you know, the mindset, well, all software sucks. Uh, yeah. So that means Kubernetes sucks. So how do we make it suck less for people? Right, right. So here was the here was the matrix he used. Um, and you know, so if you want to sort of visualize this, think of your your classic two by two matrix that you see from uh, every MBA grad or, you know, any any sort of business uh, <laughs> chart um, on the left um, on the I guess that would be the Y axis. Um, in the sort of top left, you had clusters and services. Um, below that, you had applications. So those are your sort of top and bottom uh, left side uh, things. And across the top, uh, on the left, you had uh, operators. And then on the right, you had developers. So you end up getting this two-by-two two matrix where you have um, you know, cluster operators and de- uh, cluster, you know, developer clusters. Um, and then you have cl- uh, application operators and uh, application devs, right? So sort of you know, split between... Um, sort of what would traditionally you could probably split this up as sort of like apps and, and ops, but uh, he kind of split the ops piece into, you know, kind of the mindset or the, the terminology of, of clusters and services, which are kind of Kubernetes specific. Yeah, I think the the idea of like just operating a platform applies more towards like shrink wrap software. Um, where it's like, well, we we download the bits, we turn it on when it's running. We, we, you know, ops is the group that keeps it running, and then the devs or whatever, those are the people using the stuff on top. I think even if you think about something like SAP or whatever, where it's like, well, you also have platform devs, you know, that are that are changing the platform, also people keeping the platform up. So I think it's it's realizing those you know two different layers, especially with how pluggable Kube is. So even people that are that are handling it at each of those layers. Yeah, the other thing that that jumped out at me when when I was listening to this, and, and I, you know, I watched it a few days ago, but uh, you know, it sort of coincided with what we're going through from a Red Hat perspective with the with the CoreOS acquisition. So, you know, we've always struggled uh, from an OpenShift perspective of do we spend enough time, um, you know, providing the visibility and the tools for for operations people because we we realize that's you know at least half of what's going on. Keep Kubernetes running, uh, like Clayton Coleman said, you know, make Kubernetes boring. Um, and then, you know, do we do enough to, to make it easier for, for application developers? And as we got to talking to the CoreOS team and really, you know, digging into Tectonic more than maybe we ever have before, we realized, like, their focus had very much been at the operator level, you know, sort of, uh, you know, below, let people build their own developer experience, focus a ton on automated operations and stuff. And so it, it, it kind of became very clear to me, maybe more than it should have been, uh, or, you know, should have been more in the past, like, it, as much as we think we're 
offering both things, like there is a whole nother level of depth that you can really provide to people if you want to automate things, if you want to you know, have a ton of observability and, and metrics and so forth, both for apps and for operations. Yeah, I think I think that's the there's so many different, you know, roads you can go down that it's up to that particular environment, which makes the most sense. Right. So it's like, what do we, you know, based on the apps we want to run on this, based on the, you know, the types of people and skill sets we have, like, what do we need uh, at each of those layers? Yeah. Um, you know, what were some of the things that, that you've noticed in, let's say you're just talking to, to the ops people, right? So what would be considered sort of like uh, cluster operations? So, you know, getting Kubernetes up and running, keeping it up and running, um, or talking to people that are kind of in the, in the, in the developer sort of mindset, but have to think about clusters in terms of like, well, does it matter where my application runs? Do I have to think about geography? Like what are some of the problem areas that you've seen as you as you talk to those kind of folks? Well, I think, I think they're, you know, those two pieces of the kind of mindset are, you know, often in, in the same group, you know, the, the idea of it's same thing with the application layer, but the cluster layer, you're saying, I, I got to keep this thing working. It's got to be, you know, available, reliable, um, you know, all those types of things. And then sort of that cluster dev space seems to be more of like the, well, what, how do we extend this? How do we, you know, what do we need? Oh, the new, oh, there's a new capability, say something like, uh, does does things like service mesh and Istio make sense, or should we be turning? You know, how are we handling secrets, and how do we integrate that into this? And do we need you know more advanced container registry pieces? Where you know it's not particularly the individual apps; it's still at the platform layer, but it's something that needs to be integrated, tested, developed. All those types of all those types of pieces, and and once you start having all those um, capabilities, those two halves of that. You know, group need to work together just like any other DevOps group of like, well, cool, if we turn on all these 10 other things, how this one new thing you want to add, it doesn't have a, it's not very stable, it doesn't have an upgrade path, well, it's affecting the rest of the system. Right. And I think that's the, that's the real challenge. Right. Yeah. So as I was thinking about the, the matrix, um, you know, and, and Joe does a good job of this. I mean, he doesn't sort of try and BS anybody and say, hey, you know, look how far we are. We're at, you know, we're at, Kubernetes 1.10 here in a few days and, you know, look, look how far we've come. You know, he was pretty, pretty blunt about saying, look, there's some areas where we're really good and some areas where maybe we're not so good. And then, you know, some areas where we really haven't even started to scratch the surface. Um, you know, so as, as I was thinking about this matrix, if you, if you think about the top left corner being uh, cluster operators, um, you know, if I was sort of scoring that in a, in a kind of classical red, yellow, green model, I would make that one probably mostly green with a little bit of yellow, like, we're, we're getting pretty good as a community at being able to deploy clusters, um, being able to upgrade them. Um, you know, I think we're, we're still struggling a little bit with, there's still a lot of different tools for, for doing that. So there's, you know, um, you might, you might go into one shop and they're using this tool and you go into a different shop and they're using that tool. So there's some learning curve. And, and, you know, I think as an, as an industry, we're still struggling with the whole, like, Hey, software's coming out really frequently. Upgrades are having to happen really frequently. Um, but then if I jump over to, kind of the top right corner, which is you know, application clusters and, and going, okay, if I'm an application owner and I have to think about clustering, that means stuff like, is all, you know, are all these resources federated or do I have to, you know, logically think about them? Um, is my registry globally uh, replicated across things or do I have to be aware of those things? Like you said, where am I logging in? Does, does delay and, and latency matter? You know, that one, I would sort of say we're kind of in the yellowish red state, which, you know, you look at things like cluster federation, it's still 
really evolving in the community. Um, you know, things like the registry isn't even part of Kubernetes. It's sort of a, you know, do it yourself implementation detail. And, um, so, you know, that's the top half of the grid for me. Do you, do you have any different thoughts on kind of how you'd grade those? Yeah, I think I, I think I come down and kind of similarly, and I think that's really the as you as you bring those capabilities, part of the reason to do that is to kind of make that more scalable, right? Where if it's like, well, if every time you're writing an app, you're going to need these other capabilities, uh, bring them into the the cluster layer as something that doesn't have to be managed, or in the case of something like RBAC or something where it's like, oh, well, we have to you know deploy multiple clusters and, and those type of pieces. I, I I'd say I'd come you know come down the line similarly as far as like where things are are green and a little more yellow red uh, at this point, but I think the the pace has been has been pretty solid as far as moving things and getting more 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 ready quicker. Right, right, yeah. No, I don't think I don't think anybody's worried at this point about uh, you know. So we've both worked on projects where we were like, man, it feels like we we jammed a ton of features in there, and then you get these backlogs. Like, I think while it feels like Kubernetes goes really fast, like. The, the number of features that actually get to GA is still not overwhelming at this point, right? It's still like a lot of stuff in tech preview and a lot of stuff in beta and it gets headlines. But in terms of, you know, supporting really well the stuff that's GA or maybe even just GA plus some beta, pr- pretty, pretty manageable at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the uh, it's one of those um, standing on the shoulders of giants things where, you know, looking at what other other projects before have done and, and taking a little bit sometimes more careful or more or thoughtful approach. And I'm sure it also, it helps you, know, you have the red hats and Googles and, and whatnot of the world involved that they've been doing this a little while to, to kind of shepherd it. Right. Right. Now, um, you know, as we as move into sort of the, the bottom, uh, half of the, of the grid, if you will. So we're getting into, um, you know, more application centric ops and then, uh, you know, sort of developers for applications. Now we get into stuff that, that kind of, you know, people are confused right now where they're kind of redebating again, like, okay, well, is that, is that DevOps? Is that SRE? Um, you know, do devs actually want to carry pagers? You know, is it really realistic to have, you know, you wrote the code, you support the code. This is where I think there's a lot of debate that's still going on. And, and as people deal with things in real life, like maybe, maybe what, what they saw at a meetup isn't really happening in real life. Yeah. I think again, it goes back to your organization, your, your four person startup, Hey, the the lady that wrote the code is probably the one that's you know if something breaks is probably the one that's that's fixing it and and operating it and all that kind of stuff like that. But if you're a you know a Google or you know or there's some you know GM or something like that, you you probably just size wise you can't you just can't operate that way. So I think it's it's definitely organization specific right. uh, when it comes to those types of uh, kind of designation of duties. Yeah, and the one the one thing I am seeing it feels like we're we're seeing more so is. One of the struggles people have with DevOps or have had with DevOps is like people like to know like, okay, well, what's my job, right? Like I, I want to, you know, I may have to do a lot of things, but kind of what's my job and DevOps was always very nebulous. Um, and I feel like the, the SRE title, um, it feels more tangible to people and they can sort of, you know, like it, the way it kind of gets applied, you have this idea that it's, you know, it's an operations, it's an operations role. You're not a, you're not a dev, you're an operations person. You you have the skills to write some code if needed. That could be Python go. It could be, you know, maybe feeding back bugs on the thing. Um, and then the other part of it is like, it's, it's kind of an on-demand job. If you, you know, if you follow the Google book, it's, it's one that you go, they need to pay you to be involved with this because you know you're you want to be actively involved. You don't want to be reactionary to it. And so, 
you know, if you're going to want them to be actively involved, there's, there's probably a good business need to have somebody that's doing kind of application ops or SRE stuff. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, this is where they start sort of like feeding into each other too of these like cluster ops, app ops, cluster dev is, is you're having those things of like, well, Hey, we're, we're running this cluster and trying to figure out these services. Then it's like, well, we'll see ICD. Like, how are we doing that? Like, Oh, well, you know, the app ops for this group, they're doing Jenkins this way and this and that. And it's like, well, from a cluster level, should we be, you know, integrating or supplying that? And, you know, I think that's when you start getting the you kind of like the idea is not so much like you have these four personas and then they just go out to the wind. It's, you know, it's kind of the integration between them to figure out all of the, uh, you know, where things belong and who owns it and, and what's the most efficient way to, to do some of these things. Right, right. Well, and I think when you start to get into CI and CD, um, you know, you run into, and this isn't really a Kubernetes problem so much. It's a, you know, how much flexibility do you want to give developers, right? Do you want to just say, Hey, company wide, we're all using Jenkins or, you know, we're using Jenkins, but everybody can, can kind of have run their own CI system. Just as long as you, you know, get into production a certain way, do you let people do whatever they want? You know, if some you run in circles, some are running, you know, something else, um, you know, that, that's sort of a, a really almost more of an organizational problem before you even get into this grid matrix. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's then once once some of those decisions also have that same impact as we did, you know, back in the you know enterprise architecture days of like, oh, we're gonna build this perfect thing that's so unique, and you kind of you don't want to see your app teams doing the same thing of like we have twenty app teams using twenty totally different CI systems for really no reason. Where it's actually like, well, I just don't like Jenkins, you know, right. kind of thing, or or whatever. It's like, well, can we kind of like standardize a little bit here? It'd be super super helpful. Right, right. Or, or it's not even I don't like Jenkins. It's I don't like the build master because they they never prioritize my build, and so we're always waiting. And you know, so that, yeah, again, yeah. Process and organization thing. Um, where would you? Where, how would you sort of grade that that part of the quadrant in terms of you know where we are today and kind of the you know tools and effectiveness of kind of the SRE type of role in this quadrant? Um, I think from a you know purely. Yeah, I think this is one that's broader I, because it's not purely a Kubernetes thing for most of the stuff. I mean, there, there's integration pieces where you're talking about, well, how are you monitoring your apps? And, and this is where even then this gets into the, if you're doing something like Istio, is where Jaeger comes in and, and how are you doing those pieces to figure out you know, with your apps going wrong and circuit breakers and all that stuff. So I think I think some of that kind of super cutting edge stuff is still sort of red yellowish um but i think the the majority of the more kind of day-to-day stuff of of ci cd you know the packaging type pieces i i've and you know and and container building and all that kind of stuff that happens at that layer i I think is pretty pretty mature yeah 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 i I would agree with you i think the tooling is more or less there um you know and, and i think there's a huge appetite for people that you know that have i mean because the thing is you know having an an ops mindset which is you know, Joe, Joe has a really good quote in there. He says, you know, uh, the value that, that ops provides is pretty invisible, um, as long as they're doing their job well. Right. So it's a, it's a weird job where you sort of have to be like, I love what I do. And my job is to, to be invisible. It's like being a referee in a sporting event or something like the best, best ones you never hear about them. Cause they, they don't seem to screw up. And then when, when something goes wrong, you, you take all the blame if it was the application's fault or the operation's fault. And, um, so it's, a, you know, it's a certain kind of mindset to do ops, but the sense I get is, you know, just from talking to people in the, in the VMware community and Linux sysadmins and different things is like, they want to make sure they keep being relevant. And so they, they want to, 
they want to learn whatever sort of coding level skills, SRE level skills they need to keep doing that. So I feel like the the tools are there for them. It's just a matter of, of kind of that ramping up period of you know transitioning and ramping up, uh, you know, sort of being being sort of yellowish green. Yeah, and I think a piece of it too is the the sort of organizational models that really drive that behavior too, um, and and kind of struggles maybe a couple layers up with. You know, you see this where it's like, oh, we, you know, we we read some books, we went to some talks, we want to do the DevOps thing. It's like we're going to hire some DevOps, and then and then then thing then we'll be doing the DevOps. You know, right, same thing you right. saw with Agile and other stuff. Versus like, well, it's kind of a piece of its organ, you know, organizational thing of like, well, if if this, you know, you're calling them DevOps, but they're two separate teams, and the the the, the ops DevOps get yelled at when stuff breaks, and the dev you know, DevOps get yelled at when the features are missing or whatever. It's like, well, you're kind of just doing the same model, but just gave them different titles. Right. You know, a piece of it is that, you know, I think that drives, like you said, that drives that SRE model and other things are the sort of shared responsibility and, and those kind of pieces of it to, to say like, whoa, if I'm handing this, you know, like if I don't code this right, it's not even so much I, I feel like about a dev having a pager as much it is the thinking through the the full effect of doing things right if i change this code if i do this like what's the downstream effect of that yep yep um and then the last the last sort of part of the quadrant which would be sort of bottom right if you're visualizing this is um you know the the ability for application developers to be successful in this place and and this is another one of those areas where i think there's there's an aspect of it that's kubernetes specific and then there's an aspect of this this that is like you know are developers really successful with like microservices, whether it's a PaaS or a CAS type of thing? And, you know, how much sort of uh, opinion has to be built into the platform and you have to write your application that way? How much is, oh, we're, we're handcrafting YAML to make this work? And, um, you know, so I, I feel like this is an area where there's still, because it's developers and no two developers kind of think of things the same way, that this is still a, a really broad spectrum of, asking somebody like how effective do you think you are today or do you think the right tooling is there today yeah i think i i think you you hit it right where it's you know a piece of it is just more generic you know application development stuff i think specifically kind of on the kube front here um i think this is this is sort of really the power of the container revolution you will if you will is the the tools available to the devs to build the um you know, to build the app the way they want to, you know, where it's like, oh, well, well I need, uh, I'm, I'm doing Node. It's like, oh, well, I can just go Node.js Docker file, I, you know, write two lines in it and boom, here, you know, I can run it locally and it's working. Like, all right, I'm ready to push that up and, you know, not even getting to, you know, that stuff is like phase three, four, five, six. Because you can, once you start iterating faster, you know, you can say like, well, we'll split this. This is now, a, you know, it's only a, you know, 2,000 line bit of code. I'm not turning this into four microservices yet, but... You know, we can do that later and, and kind of build from there. And I think the the ability to kind of just keep swapping out those containers and going from there allows you to let your application sort of grow and, and you know, get better and break apart and rewrite and, and do those types of things. I think the tools are there specifically in containers and Kubernetes to make that make that pretty viable now in a way that, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Well, and I think this is where... Um, you know, we're, we're going to start to see probably in the next six months or so as, uh, you know, between um, Istio and Envoy and Jaeger and some of these, um, you know, sort of what, what people are kind of calling microservices 2.0 or 3.0 capabilities are coming in. You know, do I 
do I need to inject things via sidecars? Do I, you know, do I use this sort of service mesh? That's, is that a platform specific feature? Is that something developers need to think about? Like figuring out how to reapply patterns like circuit breakers and sidecars and, um, you know, different things like that are going to be interesting to see, you know, does the, does the tooling evolve around that? Do we, do we find a new, you know, kind of equivalent of like the Netflix OSS library, you know, is that what, is that what Istio is doing? And, uh, you know, Brendan Burns talked about some very new stuff uh, at KubeCon that we, we may want to dig into or have him come on, you know, kind of a very different way of thinking about these fragments and stuff. So um, I think this space has a long way to go. The, the good news is right now, it's like, you know, if I want to deploy pretty much any kind of application, I can do that today on, on Cube. And we've seen everything from serverless to there was an announcement around Spark today to stateful applications to, you know, web applications. And, you know, so it's more like the fine grain stuff is, is going gonna, is gonna to advance very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's absolutely, and I think that's one of the things is it's it's the idea of you know I think this is where companies are getting held up. They you know two kind of bad ideas are one of like well we're gonna wait for everything to shake out then we're gonna start doing so it's like oh well there's you know once Istio's production then we'll be ready to you know and they were saying the same thing about oh the Netflix OSS like once this is a little bit more then and it's like you know I I always think of um, you know when I was. Um, when I was young, the uh, my dad was looking at you know camcorders. Yeah. Uh, when my older brothers came, oh, well, this new one comes out soon, and my mom's like, well, he'll be he'll be an adult by the time that uh, you pick. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's always going to be a new, better one. So right. just kind of like start here, and, and we'll go from there. And I think that's kind of the the best thing culturally is just like, well, don't worry, you know, build your you know mini monolith on container, you know, go from there, learn these things. And, and I think the other piece of it too is like, well, we'll do, we'll do, we'll wait. And next year Istio is, will be a thing and we'll do that. And we'll put a, um, we'll put out, a um, you know, some listings for jobs for people with 10 years of Istio and containers. Right. That's right. kind of thing. Right. So it's just like, well, we can't, we can't really seem to get started. It's like, well, no, you, this is something, you know, it's newer stuff. It's like people need to learn. Like this is your education. Part of it is learning on the job. So you do a little bit at a time. So, you haven't done containers, do containers. Don't wait for trying to build, you know, don't boil the ocean. Right. You know, right. eat that elephant one bite at a time. So, uh, you know, start now with the stuff that is today and, and works. And then these things that are, are coming along, you'll, you'll move to them and then maybe something will replace those and something will replace that. Yeah. I'm going to put a, a link in the show notes from, uh, from one of our colleagues, uh, Bilgen, uh, I'll, I'll butcher his last name. So I'm just going to leave it at that, but uh, he does a really nice job. He's a kind of a longtime Java champion and, and he, he walks through basically taking some of his, you know, applications he's written in the past, say like in Java EE, um, he's, he's evolved those into like spring, uh, like spring boot types of applications. And then he's, you know, he's in the process of, of moving those to Kubernetes and he does a really kind of good job of going like, okay, this is what I used to expect from the Java platform. And then this is what I didn't have to do in spring boot. And then this is what I expect from the Kubernetes platform. And he, he doesn't come across as saying like, this is the, this is the best way you should do it. He basically says like, these are where you get to make trade-offs as a developer or you get to, you know, defer those off to the platform and you can decide how important that is, right? Like maybe you make changes to that a lot. So you want to continue to own that. Maybe you are like, Oh, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. Uh, But it's a really nice kind of complete uh, paper he wrote up uh, not too long ago. So I'll put a show, a link in the show notes for that as well. And again, it, it, it just kind of reiterates your point, which is, there is no one way to do this. And if you wait forever, uh, the next thing will come along and you may just get excited by that shiny rock. And uh, <laughs> at some point your business wants you to like, you know, do something that's productive. So you got to. Yeah. Gotta, and I, yeah. I think, I think you also get people kind of getting into two ends of the spectrum when it comes to like, 
oh, like I, I need all the knobs. That's the only way I can make it go. I, I want to write assembly, you know, kind of stuff. And then, you know, less common, but the other end of it's just like this new abstraction replaces the old abstraction. Some, you know, it's like, oh, well, forget, cont- you know, VMs, containers, PaaS, serverless. We just keep going up the stack and, you know, kind of ignoring the whole um, ab- abstractions are inherently leaky right. uh, kind of piece. So it's just like, well, I'll wait for that perfect abstraction. Then we'll move over to it. It's like, no, there's no perfect abstraction. There's trade-offs. As The more you abstract, the more trade-offs there are. So um, it's just finding the spot that feels comfortable for what you're trying to do and, and going and doing it. Yep. Yeah. Well, listen, with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. I think we've, uh, you know, we've kind of walked our way through this, this two by two matrix Um, with, you know, would love to get people's feedback on, you know, in reality, uh, how are you organizing around your Kubernetes environment? You know, what are the, what are the names of the roles? What are the roles? How do you sort of organize who works on apps, who works on ops, who works on cluster level stuff? Um, But, uh, you know, definitely go take a look at Joe's video. We'll put it in the show notes. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we've gotten a lot lately is we've gotten a lot of feedback um, about, hey, you know, we like the really the, the basic shows that you did as well. So we may get back and do a few more of those over the next couple of weeks just to kind of satisfy that itch that some people were asking for. And, um, you know, as always, folks, if you have topics you'd like us to uh, to dig into, you know, let us know. Shoot us a, a tweet um, at PodCTL or, or email us in the show notes and stuff. Um, and then there was a bunch of reader questions that kind of popped up on the Twitter uh, this week that we'll try and get to uh, next week as well. Good kind of design questions that we'll try and uh, help some people with. So with that, uh, Tyler, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, for Tyler and myself, uh, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.